Josie DeVidio is a woman with too much time on her hands and a curiosity to explore the human experience. With a passion to bring entertaining and informative content to your ears. Real talk, real people. This is Josieology. Hey friends, welcome to Josieology. I am your host, Josie DeVidio. I am a mom, podcaster, and social media enthusiast. My guest today is Ed Peisner from the Organization for Social Media Safety. Hey, Ed, welcome to the show. Thanks, Josie. How are you? I'm good. Thank you. I'm excited to see you again after all these years. Uh, sorry that it's under this topic, but you know, Ed and I go way back. Um, I remember meeting him when his kids were little tykes. Yeah. And now Jordan is 16, which is insane to me. But, you know, over the years, we lost touch just due to life, right? Correct. But Ed and his family have come back into my field of view after his son Jordan was brutally attacked after school at a fast food joint where local high school kids hang out. The attack made national news and has been a topic of discussion in the New York Times, as well as the Doctors TV show. Ed, thanks so much for joining me today to share Jordan's story. Um, I hate to make you relive it, but so our listeners can have a frame of reference, tell us what happened to Jordan on that day. So Jordan was just in the first semester of ninth grade. He had just started ninth grade, and um, this was December 2nd of 2016. Jordan was walking home. Uh, every Friday, he would be allowed to walk home. He would stop at the Wendy's restaurant, local Wendy's restaurant with his friends, grab some fries and, you know, go over to the park. They would go skateboarding for a little while. And then I would pick him up and he'd go come home. That particular day, same thing. He went to Wendy's. I actually saw him 15 minutes before because I happened to be picking up my mail at my post office and he was in the parking lot. And I said, oh, hey, son. You know, I walked over. I actually brought him a new beanie that arrived in the P.O. box for him. And I went home and I said, I'll come back in about a half an hour and pick you up. And I got a call 15 minutes later that someone had punched Jordan. That's all they said. Someone punched your son. And I grabbed an ice pack thinking it was a bloody nose. You know, that's what I thought. And I drove down to Wendy's where I was 20 minutes earlier. And there's police cars, fire trucks, ambulance, 50 people, you know, and Obviously, I knew something was wrong at that moment. I thought, uh-oh. And I ran over, and the first thing that happened were kids were running up to me with their cell phones, their smartphones, which I call dumb phones. But they were running up to me saying, look what happened to your son. And they're showing me this video of this boy just smashing with all his effort, Jordan, in the back of the head. And they're, you know, they're, Jordan just drops to the ground. You hear a gas from people, and then... This filmer is just filming the boy walk up and hit Jordan, and then he walks away, and they're filming Jordan on the ground, and there's multiple versions of this video. They see him, his eyes are rolled back, there's blood everywhere, and I was shocked. I really, it was like one of those moments where everything's moving fast, and your immediate world is moving really slow, and I couldn't grasp what I was watching. It was just shocking to me, so that's really... The, the impetus, you know, that's what started this entire organization, the movement, if you will, uh, turning a mess into a message is what I've been saying for the last two years. Yeah, I mean, I can't even imagine what that must have been like for all of you. I mean, just hearing the story makes me emotional. 
especially when your child, you know, you hear this happen to other people, right? It's never to someone you know, or it's never going to happen to your child. So if you can just tell us a little bit about emotionally what that does to you. Yeah, it's, again, you know, you hear that phrase, oh, I, I can only imagine how you feel, or you know, phrases along that same realm. You can't. You can't, you know, your child, when they hurt, you hurt with them. You know, I used to think, oh, you, you, when the mm -hmm. child hurts and there's a little bit of pain, you know, you feel them. No, you hurt alongside them. I mean, you feel the same type of pain. So sure. on an emotional level, it took my knees out. It, it just took me out. Something that I never experienced. And my son, my oldest, had surgery at nine months old. He, he had a hernia repair. And that was devastating. Oh, we were so scared. We were in the hospital. We were crying. This, this doesn't even compare. Right. Because it was somebody else's hands on your own child. And emotionally, it affected me. It will never go away. I, when I just told you 10 seconds ago what happened, I got chills down my arms. I, when I repeat it at schools that I talk at, I get chills. I sometimes, when I show some videos of it or pictures of it, I have to turn away because you'll see my eyes water because I still, and I think that's probably going to be lifelong. I, well, especially because it's a huge part of the work that you're doing with your organization. So it helps, you know, people to have a frame of reference of why this is so important to you, why your organization exists. And, you know, the message that you're getting out there requires you to have to relive it over and over again. Um, so, you know, thank you for being here to do that. Um, how is Jordan doing? It's a long road. You know, this path to recovery is never ending. So the physical side of the recovery, because it's a brain injury, so I'll just back up. Jordan, he suffered a traumatic brain injury, a TBI. He had a, over a 20 millimeter blood clot between his brain and his skull. Uh, they talked about brain surgery. They talked about putting in holes to alleviate the, the pressure on the brain. They talked about taking a piece out putting the piece of his skull into the stomach lining under his skin, you know, wow. and we're sitting there, you know, I'm looking at the doctor, just dumbfounded, not understanding that six hours ago he was at Wendy's and I attended him. And now you're talking right. about opening his skull up. And so, you know, and again, the guy moved fast because there's a brain injury. So they're very great. And I love children's hospital. And, you know, we were at West Hills hospital originally and, the, the doctor said, okay, we can't do any more here. He's going to be airlifted. And I'm looking at them thinking he's going to be a, airlifted in a helicopter. He'll be there in eight minutes. It's going to take me 45 minutes to get there. What if I don't see him? You know, right. you know again, just thinking about it, I could, I could cry right now. Um, sure. So it's, it was life-changing. It completely changed my life. It's 180 turn from what I was doing. And it's affected my whole family. It, his recovery, as you mentioned, as you asked, the physical nature of it, it's to be seen. It's always to be seen because it's a brain injury. In fact, July 30th, we have another MRI scheduled. So he gets annual MRIs. He's got permanent hearing loss from the ear that they punched because his eardrum exploded. Um, yeah. So he's wow. got about 20% hearing loss now in that ear. The brain injury, we don't know. Emotionally, the jury's out. He was in the first semester of ninth grade. He was in drama. They had just won a reward, an award or, or something for the drama department, you know, first place for their show. And he was this energetic thespian on stage all throughout middle school and the beginning of high school. And he's a 180 degree different boy. Now, 
I understand adolescent comes into play and all that, but he's not who he was. And now I have to live with that, knowing he's a different person. Yeah, man. Yep. What has the outpouring been like from the community as a, as a result of this? Truly amazing. Bigger than I ever imagined. You know, someone said we, we had this walk for him after he got out of the hospital. We had like a peace and kindness walk around our town. And I remember a lady, I don't even know who it was, saying to me, he's your son, but now he's our son. This could have happened to any right. one of our children. Absolutely. So, that was, you know, it never left my head. And the outpouring was amazing. And not only just from my local community, I got emails from Germany, from Australia, after we hit the New York wow. Times and we did all these TV shows, from people all over the world reaching out saying, first of all, we hope your son's okay. Second of all, things like this have happened to, at our school, you know, or over here in Germany, we heard what happened and we see fights all the time online and we think they're awful. So it opened my eyes to a world beyond the physical world we're living in this, the world of social media, this, this digital right. world that I was unaware of. I knew, I knew social media as Facebook, right? Right, right. I'm just thinking about what our listeners would probably be wondering, which is what happened to the boy who perpetrated this crime? I'm assuming it was a boy. It was a boy. Yeah, it was a boy. He was a minor. We, we were not allowed to talk because he's a minor. We were really handcuffed and not allowed to talk about what happened in court because he's a minor. But I will tell you what I'm allowed to say is he got a very brief temporary punishment. And my son has a permanent brain injury. When I say brief, I mean, it ended that same month. There was no, you know, no jail time, no, you know, unfortunately, very little happened to him. And the girl, and I, you know, I'm allowed to say it, the girl that filmed the incident and who uploaded it and shared it, there was no punishment whatsoever. Which is unreal mm -hmm. to me. And I'm, I'm imagining this is what prompted you to start the Organization for Social Media Safety. Yeah, yeah. So tell me what led to this is not enough. There's not enough that is being policed. There's not enough awareness well, I remember being interviewed at the hospital by one of the news stations and the lady, the, the journalist had asked me a question. I said, you know, I don't understand. I don't understand how someone could put their hands on another human being. That aside, I don't understand how someone could film it and then gain notoriety from that. You know, this, this need to share on social media so that someone could like it. And that's what I said to her. I said, and then someone clicked like. So my son almost died and they clicked like. Yeah. And it, it didn't even occur to them to stop the attack, nope. to apprehend the perpetrator, to look for help, to get an adult to step in. It didn't even occur to these kids to do that. The first thing that occurred to them was, I got to film this. Your phone, take pictures. And and yep. And that, so that I'm in the hospital and, you know, I'm obviously emotional, but I'm thinking, People were liking what happened to my son. And, yeah. you know, and there's no punishment for the girl. There was no accountability. So it led to Assembly Bill 1542, which was titled Jordan's Law. That was one of the fastest bills passed through the California Senate. And it became law January 1st of 2018. But it literally went through the entire legal system in less than 12 months in California, which is, they said, never going to happen. But... The need for something like this, 
the necessity for some form of accountability on social media caused that bill to fly through and get passed and signed by Governor Brown. It's actually one of the last bills he signed while he was in office. And Jordan's Law is now a thing in California. It is a law in California. It is not meant to jail kids and put kids in jail for using their phones. And if they see a car accident, they pull their phone out and they film it. That's not against the law. And two people are fighting in a parking lot and people drive by and they film it. That's not a law. But if you are going to partake in the act of beating somebody up and then the other person's going to film it for the sheer purpose of notoriety on the internet, to get more likes, to get more views, to get more popular, then the person filming it will be held accountable. It's a misdemeanor. It's not a felony, but there's some, which means they'll get you, a, they'll write a ticket, but there's some form of accountability. You know, that came out of the ether. You know, what happened to Jordan happened to Jordan. And then I contacted our local assembly members. They ran with it. They drafted a law and, and ran with it. And then I drove to Sacramento and testified. The next thing you know, I'm, I'm getting this big plaque that Governor Brown signed Jordan's law as a, as a bill into law. And I think it's amazing that that happened and that it happened as quickly as it did. Yeah. I also think it's unfortunate that it even had to become a law yep. for people to even be aware of this. You know, these are kids. They're, they're learning these behaviors from somewhere. So I'm going to put a little bit of the onus on parenting because Absolutely. what are we teaching our kids that they would think that this is okay? Absolutely. I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, who goes by Gary V. Uh, if you're not, don't worry. I, you, you must be living under the same rock <laughs> I have been living under because uh, he's new to my kind of, you know, sphere. But he's kind of like the current social media it guy. Okay. He has 3 million followers on Facebook, 2 million followers on Twitter, and 6.5 million followers on Instagram. So this guy completely understands social media. He knows how to use it. And he's written several books on the topic of social media and using it. Mm -hmm. And in one of those books, I believe it was called, um, well, the book, he does have a book called Crushing It. And I believe that this is where I got this quote from. He says that social media and technology have not made the world any worse than it was before. Social media doesn't change us. It exposes us. Mm -hmm. So I was wondering if you had any thoughts on that. You, listen, I agree somewhat with that statement. It hasn't changed the world. It has exposed us more to things that are happening. You know, I remember my parents watching the news, and that's where they got all their information from. The, you know, 13 channels right. on TV, and you know, we got the, the news, and that's what's going on in the world. This is portable. It's in their hands 24 hours a day. So they, are, they have access to more, though I do think it has created a more narcissistic society, a more competitive society. I, I don't know about Gary, but I've spoken to probably 25,000 students over the last 12 months traveling at different schools. And what I see there are people competing for likes and for followers. And, you know, for instance, Gary has 6 million followers. And what I would say to a group of followers and what I say to kids at school is, Raise your hand if you follow at least two people. As you can imagine, every hand goes up. Raise your hand if you're a leader. And they, they look at me and they pause. And then I always get the question, what do you mean? Like, what's a leader? And it's that thinking. Everybody is following everybody today. 
I right. deleted all of my social media. I have Facebook just because my family still lives on the Eastern seaboard and it's easier to connect via pictures that way. Right. Um, Instagram, Twitter, all, I don't have any of them. I don't have any followers. I don't need any followers mm -hmm. because it's just, for me, I'd rather lead in person. And I know I'm, you know, old school, uh, you know, I get social media is here to stay and I'm actually not one to tell you to get rid of social media. We just have to use it differently. So to answer your question back to him, he's right. It, it hasn't, really changed the world, but I do think the younger generation uses it to be very competitive. And when I ask girls, how many of you post selfies and they raise their hand and I say, raise your hand if you've removed a picture you've posted because it didn't get enough likes or views, 50% of the hands go up. Sure. That's not something that would have happened 20 years ago. If you took a picture, you took a picture, but now you have to be perfect. Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. I think that social media um, is showing the world what we think about, you know, who we are, what's important to us, what we value. Some of it's good. Some of it's not so good. Yeah. Right. But when it comes to our engagement on social media, of course, as adults, we need to be mindful of what we're putting out there. But we especially need to be teaching our kids this concept because social media, because they've been raised with it, they don't know any different. They don't understand that it's a window into their soul, uh -huh. you know? And so it's a reflection of what's going on with them internally. And if this is what they're putting out or if this is what they're seeking, again, maybe it is, an ex social media is exposing what's going on with them. Uh -huh. It perpetuates it. Yeah. It doesn't help it. It doesn't make it any better. But our kids, uh, you know, again, I think that goes back to parenting. We really need to help our kids understand that. I have teenagers now, so, you know, at this stage, there's very little that they will understand from me. <laughs> if your kids are younger, um, this is an important thing. They are being raised in an era where social media exists. They will not know a time without cell phones like we did. Absolutely. They will not know a time without social media like we did. So we have to help them navigate this. Uh, my husband, who detests all things social media, always says that this is a grand uh, social experiment. We're going to learn a lot of bad things about this. And there are, in fact, studies starting to come out showing the effects of not just social media, but screens yeah. in general. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be interviewing uh, someone from uh, Healthy Screen Habits in a, a few episodes from now. Yeah. Um, but one thing that we've we've always tried to tell our boys is that your future employer is going to check on you. Yep. So you better make sure that you're not putting anything out there that you wouldn't want your future boss to see. Or, or college. When I talk to or college, sure. They're all looking. They're all looking. And I'm sure it's not something PC to talk about, but all the business owners that I know, when resumes are coming in, someone is assigned to stalk them on social media to see what are they all about. Because if you're going to be spending hours of time with this person at your workplace, you want to know what they're all about in their free time. Yeah. So you better make sure you're not posting questionable pictures. Or, or, or content or comments. And those are all Correct. the things that we look at. You know, I, I think that we should be renewing our minds daily, you know, especially as we get older, because when you get busy, it's easy to lose sight of what's important um, when doing life, you know, mm -hmm. so it's crucial to be mindful of what you're allowing into your mind. 
But this is hard. It's not an easy thing to do because most of our work life is occurring on the screen on the internet. Everything is digital now. Uh, but one of the ways that I'm trying to work on this myself is by unfollowing accounts or people that don't uplift me. You've done a great job in managing to, um, you know, forego social media altogether for your personal stuff. Um, I am pretty entrenched because of the nature of the projects that I'm involved in. But it did occur to me that I have multiple people who I follow who are lovely people. I like them as people, but they're constantly pumping out negative stories, pictures, comments, you know, it feels hostile to me. So I've just kind of started to unfollow all of those because frankly, you know, my life is stressful enough. I don't need to encourage or engage in anything that's adding to my stress when I'm trying to have some free time, you know, seeing what my friends are up to. But, you know, one of my uh, listeners asked me this question that, you know, in high school, there's a health class requirement, at least in the county where we live. Mm -hmm. And I'm assuming it's the same in all of California. Pretty much the U.S. for that matter. And they talk about psychology and relationships and sex, pregnancy, yeah. STDs. All of it. As far as you know, does the curriculum include social media safety? No. And shouldn't it? it? It should and it doesn't. That's one thing we are working very closely with LAUSD to try to get out there. Some sort of, and it's very hard because it's rapidly changing, as you well know. Right. But some form of social media curriculum that we could teach inside of a class and that, you know, our organization now, which is made up of a few of us, and then there's we have a wonderful board. Our board is beautiful. The people on it are very supportive, but it's myself and a few people. And mm -hmm. we are calling schools and we get in and we contract with the school to come in and we teach social media safety. It's basically an hour long presentation that I put on. It's usually for all day because we do all the periods and all the schools and all the classes and all the students. And it's, you know, I start with why, like Simon Sinek's book, start with why. I start with why. I tell them what happened in Jordan. But then we break down all the areas of social media that are dangerous and the laws that exist for social media because it's more than just Jordan's law. There are penal codes out there and there are all different laws. And when I say them to the kids and I put them up on, my, uh, on the screen and I read them and I look at the reaction I get from some children that their jaws drop. Like, oh, that's, I could get in trouble for that. I said, well, yeah, actually, you could get arrested for that. And a lot of it revolves around the world of sexting and inappropriate messages, and not just via text, but via messenger and any type of sending of inappropriate messages. These children are just doing it without even thinking. And much like filming Jordan, right? And my problem with all of this is they get 12 likes for somebody who gets in a fight, they might get 20 likes. If they escalate that fight, I heard a story at a school where two students were going to push a girl down a flight of stairs while someone at the bottom of the stairs was going to film it Awful. because they wanted to see if they could get higher views on YouTube. It would move them to another level. So then my thought is, well, if she, she could have died, but the next level is, well, let's kill somebody on social media. Oh my gosh. And, but we've seen that. Josie, we've yeah. seen murders, rapes attacks all filmed live so of our kids our young children right. i talk at elementary schools raise your hand if you have an iphone 10 or more you know the, the best one 10 year old kids raising their hands 
they have access to more computing power than NASA had in the 70s. Right. I know. In the palm of their hand. I know. And who's monitoring it? Mom and dad, no way. We say we are, but right. to what extent are we monitoring it? And again, I'm not telling anybody to get the phones out of their hands. Like you said, we just have to do a better job. This is their world. We're now stepping into their world. Right. We have to understand it and we have to model it. We can't tell them, get off your phone while we sit on our phones. Right. It doesn't work like that. Ed, when we come back, I'm going to ask you to go over with us what parents need to know to keep their kids safe and keep themselves safe on social media. Absolutely. Friends, today's episode is dedicated to those kids who have been victimized or even have lost their lives over bullying related to social media. We need your help getting this message out. Would you mind sharing today's episode with your friends? If you know any teachers or school administrators or youth group leaders, it would be important for them to hear this episode and know that the Organization for Social Media Safety exists to help them teach their kids. Thanks so much for your help. So, Ed, we've been talking about parenting a little bit on this episode, and um, that's the one thing that our listeners can control is what they do in their homes and what they model for their kids. So can you tell us a little bit about what we can be doing as adults to keep ourselves safe on social media, but also what we need to know to keep our kids safe? Sure. Obviously, this goes to everybody out there on social media, but First and foremost, depending on the age of the child, we, in our organization, we really draw a line at the age of 13. We really feel that kids under the age of 13 shouldn't even have social media because most of the apps, if you check their user terms, say you're 13 or above. So I'll begin with that. But, but as a realist who has three kids, (laughs) they're all, they were all younger when they got their phones. I get it. You know, it's the fear of missing out. And everybody has a mom. Everybody has a dad. I want to have a phone. Right. You have to monitor. Most importantly, watch what they're watching. Set up an account on your phone so that they can't download. And this is, this is one of the easiest things you can do. But in the app store, the, on the iPhone or on, on Androids, set it up so that when they download an app, your phone, you get an alert that the only way they can download that app is if you put in a passcode. So that's one of the easiest ways to prevent them from creating fake accounts because that's really where a lot of this is beginning. This, the Uh spam accounts or the, um, yeah, there's spam accounts. There's Finstagram, which is a fake Instagram account. So mom and dad follow this one while all my friends have this private account. And this is where I post all the bad stuff. Interesting. Is there, I'm sorry, I missed it. Did you say there's an app that we need to get in order to have the that happen? App store on their phones. When, they, when you set up a child's phone, because remember, it's your phone. When you set right. phone up for the child, you can make it so that they can't download any apps without you getting an email that, oh, uh, your child is trying to download this new app on their phone. So you're notified. And then you can go back to your child and say, hey, were you trying to download whatever this app is? And then you have the ability to look at the app and say, okay, this is appropriate. I'll let you download it on your phone. Or, you know what? I don't think so. That's excellent. That's a great tip. So parents, listen up. We need to do that. And also, this is one that gets me every time, YouTube. Now, we know everybody watches YouTube and then billions of views every day. And you know the whole rabbit hole about, or maybe you don't know the rabbit hole about YouTube autoplay? No. Okay. So there was a test done, a four or five minute view of Peppa Pig. 
you know what show from Europe somewhere, it's Peppa Pig. It's a little pig with his friend. And you go to YouTube and you can watch this and the autoplay is on. So you watch it and then the next episode and the next episode, they just autoplay. So this father filmed his child watching Peppa Pig and it, the next autoplay that came up went from Peppa Pig to something else that wasn't really appropriate. And by the third or fourth video that played, there was pornography. Oh my gosh. But what I tell my parents when I do parent meetings and parents groups, you can't just look over the child's shoulder for 35 seconds and walk away. No one's monitoring YouTube. It is not a guarantee that what they're watching is going to be what starts out as LA or anything else. Right. Yeah, because right now it's like the Wild West. You know, there's no policing. There's no, no. monitoring. It is a social experiment, really. So yeah, that's a good tip too. So check in periodically to see if what you intended for them to watch is actually Absolutely, what they're still watching. Absolutely, because it will autoplay into something, especially if they're younger. The older kids, listen, my children will watch Netflix on their phones or they'll watch some YouTube episodes, and, but they're in their teens, you know, they're 15, 17, they, you know, they're old enough to know what's right and what's wrong. It's the younger ones that are just following, they follow everybody and you don't know who they're following. So that's the other thing I've asked parents in groups that I've spoken to. Ask your kids to sit down with you. Ask them to share with you who they're following and why. Why do they follow that person? Where are they? I mean, we have to now as parents sit our kids down, take the phones away, and talk to them where their beliefs are. Why are they following this person? How does it make them feel? Do they live outside of the crop box is what I tell students and girls especially. Do you realize all the pictures you're looking at online are cropped? And they're fake images. And if you're removing your picture because you don't look as good as that person, well, you don't have a hairstylist and a costume person and lighting and all that. Right. That's why I stopped following all the workout people on Instagram. (laughs) (laughs) Because I was like, you know what? I'm never going to look like that. So I might as well just shut this down. Um, (laughs) You know, so you mentioned that you go to schools and that you also speak to parenting groups. So what is the main function of your organization right now? You, you guys are involved in some activism in terms of getting laws passed, uh, like yes. Gordon's Law. But tell me a little bit more about what the organization is doing. Well, right now, we're, we only have one law. We have Jordan's Law. We are working on another one to combat the deep fake video. Do you know what deep fake videos are? You might not know yet. No, I'm afraid I'm very okay. out of the loop, which is frightening me more as we go along. And again, <laughs> So hopefully this message gets out to the listeners so they can, and I think I'm pretty aware about social media stuff, but obviously I am not. So listeners, don't kid yourselves, learn about what's happening yeah, well, around you. Deep fake videos, it's another bill we're working on right now. We actually have it drafted and it's submitted into the Senate. It takes a while for this one. It's where you could take a video and remove my face and put my face on somebody else's body, vice versa, do any of that. So it was at one time, not a big deal because you need content, you need a source. So the people this was affecting the most were actors because they have all the videos out there. So I could take, name an actress, it doesn't matter who, I could take her image and put her in a porn video by just removing her face and putting her in a porn video. And that has happened, Um, Scarlett Johansson was hit, Jennifer Lawrence was hit, and they've sued and they try to get their images removed, but the technology now has come down in the hands of our kids, but there's still no source video, or at least there wasn't source video until TikTok and Musical.ly. Now all these kids are doing these videos of themselves, dancing and singing, making silly videos, 
which is okay, but someone can now take their image of this young girl and put her in a porn video. And, and there's no accountability and there's no laws and there's no punishment right now. So we're going to see this happen. Unfortunately, it's not a matter of if, it's just a matter of when. So we're trying to be proactive with our organization and get this bill out there to try to establish something so that maybe people won't do it. Maybe they'll know, oh, wow, I could get arrested. I'm not going to do that. But it's coming. It, it's coming. We also, the organization, as you mentioned, we do talk at schools. It's not just about the violence that happens on social media. It's about human trafficking. It's about propaganda. It's about hate speech. It's about all the things that are happening now right before our eyes in the palm of our hands. Human trafficking right now across the United States, the average age of girl or boy, but primarily a girl is human trafficked. Sex traffic is 14 years old. We're working with a prosecutor now who's tried to take down some websites that primarily look for girls and they reach out there. It's all fake. It's all fake. Everything is fake. And they try to attract these girls that are homeless or these girls that have problems at home with their parents. And they reach out to them with these fake profiles. As you probably saw recently, Facebook removed, I think, two and a half million fake profiles. But what used to happen geographically, human trafficking, right? Only at the mall. They pick the kid up at a park or at a school. The parks, the schools, the malls, they're all online. So now it's grown to this epidemic sex trafficking, human trafficking, like you can't believe. So we're working closely on that aspect. That is just something I bet you never imagined you would have to go yeah. learn about and now deal with. Absolutely not in a million years. Sexual harassment online, propaganda, cyberbullying, suicide. Our suicide rate in the United States for teenagers is at an all-time high with over 4,500 kids last year, as low as 11, committing suicide. And when I talk to students at school, I share these slides with them with all these newspaper headlines, cyberbullying, suicide, cyberbullying, suicide. It's all these, you know, it used to be, what was the phrase, sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me. Words can hurt, especially when they're sent via text by a group of people attacking somebody from the comfort of their home. Right. That's the difference today is there used to be when you and I were kids, a safe place for your kids to go after school. They'd come home and all the problems would stay at school. Now it follows them wherever their phone is. So that cyberbullying, the hate speech, all the bad things that are happening on the phone, they're just following them everywhere. There's no escape. That is a really profound statement because I think that our generation as parents still think of our home as the safe yeah. place to be. But that is a really big revelation today. So Absolutely. thank you for sharing that. Can our listeners, like, how can they help the organization? Can they reach out to have you speak at their yeah. schools, their clubs, their of church course. groups? How does that happen? Do they like email for an inquiry? Do they, uh, is there an application process? We usually, what we've been doing is booking first and second semesters at schools. Uh, again, it's me that goes out and I deliver my story and I talk about Jordan. And when I tell the kids I'm at that school, it's not to make them feel bad. It's to make them feel, it's to regain empathy and compassion to, to sort of sidebar back to what Gary V, I think you said his name was, said it hasn't changed the world. It, this has all been happening. I think it's smartphones have social media, smartphones, whatever you want to call it, has reduced empathy and compassion in our world. 
you know, that's what's missing. So that's where I try to go. It's definitely desensitized everyone because you see it over and over again. And so it becomes yes. it's normalized, just like the hate speech. It's all normalized. And, and it, so that's the change. How could they contact? You could go to my website, which is um, www.ofsms.org. So it's Organization for Social Media Safety. And I'll have it in the yeah. show notes. They could go there and they could book us right there. They could send us an email right through our website. They could contact us and say, we want you out of our school. I just did a presentation on the East Coast to 65 superintendents. So now we have school districts booking us. They want us to speak That's at all awesome. their schools. I am trying to do it here in Southern California and stay close to home, LAUSD, just because I have three kids and I don't want to travel. Right. Uh, that said, my goal is to change the world one child at a time. I've been saying that since the moment Jordan got hurt. I don't want to see another child commit suicide. I don't want to see hear about another child that was picked up or trafficked. I don't want to hear about another act of violence, sexual harassment, or an arrest made for a 12-year-old boy because he didn't realize he was sending something that could get him arrested. You know, I, these things... As a human being, it's not about men or women. It's about being right as a human being and doing what we can do. So, yeah, I mean, there's just so much work to be done now, right? And and like you said, you're one person and you have your own ultimately limitations and how far your reach can be, which is why I'm glad to have you on the show today to help you get your message across. Uh, if there are listeners who are wanting to help, can they reach out to you in, in, in order to offer some physical support like can they give you you know some hours of time to help you with your mission it's a nonprofit organization so they are welcome to financial of course, donations are always welcome of course but you know for some people they're passionate about this topic they want to get involved they just don't know what to do you know they they don't know how to help so if that's you and you want to help ed and the organization for social media safety in their vision you can reach out to them through their website and just offer some yeah. hours, you know, offer some time, help them do what they're doing. Absolutely. And, you know, we start clubs at schools. I think that's so important today to start what we call a talk-in club at a school. So I can't be at every school. There's no way. But if there's a parent listening and they have a middle schooler and they want to be the parent representative of a talk-in club and the, the talk-in club, get a teacher to sponsor it. It's at lunchtime. They open up their room, no phones, and they talk. And they just talk. It's a place where they can go and share their feelings. Maybe bring up something that happened on social media and have a teacher there. It's what's missing today. Phones were made to help us communicate. And I truly believe it has done the opposite. We're not communicating anymore. We're sending short bursts of text messages. We're not calling each other. It's email, text, messenger. There's no picking up the phone and hearing your voice. So I could tell, oh, you seem sad. Are you okay? Or you seem really happy. Are you okay? You know, how could they help me get me into schools? Let me to deliver my message. You know, Ed, I think your story is a true testament to taking something that someone intended for evil and turning it around and creating something good Thank from you. it. You know, what happened to Jordan was awful and no human, let alone a child, should have to go through that. But as a result, you took action. And that's something that I want our listeners to understand. Ed is just a regular guy, right? Ed, you're, you're a lovely human, but you were not a professional activist not before this happened. Not at all. But once this happened, of course, your child needed everything 
that you had to offer. But in addition to that, you saw a need in the community. You created a way for people to engage in the conversation and to participate in a solution. And so if you're listening to this and you've been touched, I encourage you to reach out to the Organization for Social Media Safety and see how you can support Ed and their mission. If you have something else going on in your community that needs attention, or if, you, if you've ever heard about something happening going, someone needs to do something about this. Guess what? That someone is you. You don't have to be a professional anything. You just have to have a passion and a desire to leave a legacy where you made the world a better place. Amen. And I appreciate you and your organization and what you're doing on our our children's behalf and really on humanity's behalf. Um, You know, Jordan is so lucky to have a dad like you. And I personally feel honored to know you. So keep fighting the good fight, sir. Thank you, Jesse. My best to you and your family. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Hey, friends. Thanks for listening to Josiology. If you've enjoyed today's episode, do me a favor and subscribe to the show. It's free and subscribing lets your phone queue up the new episode once it's published. So it's ready for you to listen. Plus, subscribing helps me know how many people are listening. If you're not sure how to subscribe, check the device you're listening on. There should be three dots or a little menu or button that says subscribe. If you can't find it, don't worry. Just head on over to our Facebook page, which is Josiology Podcast. And check out the videos I have there showing you how to subscribe. Looking forward to chatting soon.